I just really wanted to be a mum. And the thought of not being a mum was more scary for me than going through what I'm going through at the moment. And I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. I didn't want to get to 50 and not be able to do it. Hi, and welcome to the Heartache to Hope podcast, where we get real about IVF, infertility, and pregnancy loss. I'm your host, Anita Thompson. From secondary infertility, multiple rounds of IVF, multiple miscarriages, and surrogacy, I am still on my journey to having a baby. Here, I'll speak with ordinary women who have become extraordinary through their journeys. This is a platform where you will hear authentic stories, get tips on how to cope, find support, and realize that you are not alone. It will be raw, emotional, and inspirational. This journey is complicated, isolating, and full of heartache. Here, we give it a voice. With heartache comes hope, and my hope is that you will find some here. Emma and I have been friends for many years and I absolutely adore her. She's been there during all of my years of struggle and ours is definitely a friendship for life. When she told me the path she was about to go down to become a parent on her own using a sperm donor, I was both in awe and just so excited for her. On this episode, Em talks openly about her journey, what led her here and everything in between. Here's Emma. Emma, my beautiful friend, thank you so much for joining Heartache to Hope, the podcast. I am so excited to have our chat today and for you to be able to take a number of women on the journey that you have had and are still having and share your experiences with us. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yay. So to start, tell uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself. So I'm 40 years old. I began my career as an executive assistant and I moved into marketing at one of the telcos that I worked for at the time. From there, I've worked myself up in various marketing roles across a number of organisations. And now I'm a marketing director and I've been at my current organisation for seven and a half years. And I lead a team of very talented marketers, and I truly love my job. And you've got quite a, a unique story to, to share with us. So why don't you tell us about your story and where you're at and um, where you're going with this? Yeah. So I wanted, I've wanted to be a mum my whole life. I've got three nieces and a nephew who I adore, but I'm also Auntie M to uh, a very large number of my friends' kids, and it is truly one of my favourite roles in life. I spent a lot of time with a guy that I thought that I would one day marry. We went back and forth for quite a number of years, and when we ended it a couple of years ago, for some reason something in me just clicked. And I just knew that I didn't have any more time to waste. I had originally thought about using a donor about five years ago and went and saw a doctor, went through the process, went on the donation wait list. And they called me about seven months later to tell me that I was at the top of the list. And I still remember getting that phone call and I just felt really anxious And I knew at that time that I just wasn't ready. So thankfully, you get to stay at the top of the wait list. 
until you're ready. So a couple of years ago, when I decided that this was the right time, I went and met with my doctor and started to get the process moving again. I had a trip planned for my 40th with my friends overseas, and I thought, I'll go and do that trip. I'll make sure that I'm financially stable to do this. And when I get back from that trip overseas, I'll get the, the process going again. And then COVID hit. So I decided to start it a little bit earlier. So in May last year, I started my first cycle. I found it quite, you know, it was, it was quite okay. I wasn't too overwhelmed by it. I thankfully had 35 eggs collected. So I was pretty blown away at that and thought, wow, if I've got 35, I probably won't have to do this again. And, you know, if the first time doesn't work, I'll have another egg there and and so on. Then once that process had completed and I'd done the genetic testing, I ended up with one embryo. So did the transfer for that and then had the two-week wait. Didn't do any tests myself, waited until I got the phone call and got the phone call to say that I wasn't pregnant. And I must admit I was pretty shocked. I thought... You know, I didn't have any fertility issues. I was simply doing IVF because I didn't have a partner and I just thought that it would work the first time. So then I decided I'd give it another go and start on my second cycle. So a couple of months later, I started on the second one, had a large number of eggs again, but again, ended up with one embryo at the end of that cycle. Did the two-week wait. And then I had a phone call saying that I did have HCG levels, but they were low and they weren't entirely sure if I was pregnant. So I had to come back 48 hours later and do another blood test. So at that point, I was very much in two, two frames of mind. One was, you know, you're not pregnant and you're going to have to go through this process again. And then the other had a little glimmer of hope that I might be. So 48 hours later, I went for more bloods and it was getting lower so I had to do a couple more tests to make sure that it had completely gone from my system and we decided to go again with the third cycle quite quickly it was getting to the end of the year Christmas and New Year was going to delay the process again so we decided to go again straight away and we were going to do a fresh transfer this time pending I had enough eggs collected and then whatever was remaining, do the genetic testing and freeze the rest. But at that point in my cycle, I had overstimulated, so they weren't able to do a fresh transfer. Thankfully, I got two embryos from that cycle. And in Feb this year, I was able to do the transfer. And now I'm 30 weeks pregnant with a little girl. And I'm very, very happy and excited. Fantastic. And... Oh, you and I have been friends a while now and we've certainly kept in contact, very close contact during all of, of this journey for you and obviously with all the stuff that I've been going through. And it's an emotional roller coaster, right? The IVF process. And we'll talk about the, the donation process and what you had to go through in, in a minute. But when I got the text message from you saying, I've got 35 eggs. I was like, what? <laughs> what? How is that possible? I think you were 38 or 39 at the time and I was doing sort of my processes at the same time and certainly not getting that number of eggs. And I'm like, 
Emma's got this, you know, yeah. this is, and, and, and much like you said, you know, you had such a high number of eggs to start with. And then from that very first cycle of 35, you got one embryo after the testing. Tell me, I, I obviously know firsthand the emotional roller coaster that comes with that numbers game and comes with the IVF process. But in your own words, talk me through that process, the highs and the lows and, and how you dealt with all of that each and every time that you had to undergo IVF? Yeah, so that was a roller coaster. I remember being in recovery after the first egg collection and thinking, I'm never going to have to come back here again. Like, this is it. So it was, it's really hard getting those phone calls each time with an update and the number just drops and drops and drops. Because I did genetic testing, I had four embryos that were sent off. So technically, you know, I could have done transfers with those, but they wouldn't have been successful. So I am grateful for the genetic testing. But yeah, you know, working out that you had one was difficult. And then getting that phone call and just expecting that it would all work and be fine was pretty heartbreaking. But, you know, I just had to pick myself up and go again. And there's so many people that do it a lot harder than than I have. And I remember having that conversation with you and saying 35 and, you know, your numbers were so much lower. And I was grateful that I was able to get that many to end up with one because, you know, it could have been a very different situation. But, yeah, you just have to keep moving. You just you don't realise how much strength you've got until you kind of pick yourself up and keep going with the next cycle. For you to go again very quickly after each failed transfer, what drove that? Was it age and the good old biological clock ticking? Was it, I've got this momentum now and I just want to keep going? What drove you to keep going again so quickly after? Yeah, I think it was definitely both of them. Age played a big factor in that, especially because I thought that this was just going to be a lot easier the age thing was probably the the number one driver. But I'm also, you know, once I get something in my head that I'm going to do it, I, I'm full steam ahead. And I knew that after the first time I wasn't going to give up. And I just thought, what's the point in delaying it? I've just got to keep going. Yeah. I think once you're on that escalator and you just want to keep going the blinkers go on and you're like yes I can do this again and as long as you feel mentally ready to do it you know that's exactly what you did so and look where you are now now let's talk about the sperm donation process because you see some of these in movies and things like that and I remember you and I having a bit of a laugh about uh, you know what it would look like and how it all works and what information you get about the donor and that sort of thing and for women out there who are thinking about going down this path that may not know the ins and outs of the process, can you give us a bit of an idea of what you had to go through? Yeah, so I do remember having a chat with you and saying, you know, let's grab a bottle of wine and, and go right. through this website and see what we find. It was very different to what I had thought. So you have to go through a couple of counselling sessions before you get access to the site. And look, they're just you know, 30-minute conversations with a counsellor, pretty relaxed. It's just to make sure that you are ready and you're fully aware of the process and what you're about to do. So I had two counselling sessions and then you get access to a, a website portal and essentially you filter through 
donors. Now, I didn't do a lot of filtering, but I did have some certain characteristics that I was looking for. And I thought this would be my hardest process. I thought this would take me a number of weeks. I thought there would just be an abundance of donors on the website. Once I had put my very minimal criteria in, there were three. Now, that was pretty shocking to me that, you know, and there wasn't a lot to begin with, to be honest. They had warned me that there wasn't. I chose to have someone in Australia, not an American donor. So that really reduced the numbers. But basically, some of them have baby photos, some don't. So the three that I was choosing from, two did, one didn't. But they're quite, you know, they're 20 to 30-year-old photos, black and white, pretty grainy. You don't get a lot from it. But you do get quite a lot from the profiles. So, you know, you, you find out the age, where they were born, their physical characteristics, any medical history. You also find out things like their parents' physical characteristics, also siblings. And then there's a whole bunch of questions that they answer about their personality, their interests and skills, hobbies, musical abilities, favourite foods. So you actually really find out a lot more than I had thought about people in terms of those types of characteristics. And then there's a couple of questions that they get asked, which is why they're donating. And then also if they want, they can leave a message for the person. I was drawn to this one donor in particular. He had handwritten his application. And for some reason, I just kept coming back to it. And I was just really, there was just something about it. I'm not sure what it was. And at that point, I realized that he only had one more donation left. So I instantly thought, what if there is someone else in Australia doing what I'm doing right now, looking at this donor, and what if I miss out on, on the opportunity of, of taking this donor? So I called a really close friend of mine and I read out the profile to her and she was silent the whole way through. And then right at the end when I finished, she said, can we meet this guy? He sounds perfect. So I essentially clicked a button and I had selected my donor and, and that was it. And what happens then from a technical perspective with your child? Are they able to access information on their biological father? And if so, when? And are you going to be in a position to have that conversation with your child? Have you thought about all of those sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. So they they get an option for me to contact them before the child is 18 or for the child to contact them when they're 18. So my particular donor chose for the child to contact them at 18, which I'm fine with. So look, I'll be completely upfront with my child. I think I've, I've been following someone who has a pretty similar situation to me and she always gets asked about her child's father and she reminds people that anyone can be a father or a dad, this is the donor. And I really like that kind of way of explaining it. I, yeah, look, I how it would happen, I have absolutely no idea. I've got a book at the moment that I've bought that is, you know, my mummy made me, 
but when the time's right, I will definitely be upfront. And, you know, I've got a copy of the profile and at any point I'd be happy to to go through that with my little girl because I think it's important for her to know, you know, where she's come from. What was the reaction of your your friends and family when you did tell them that you were going down this path? And when did you tell them? Obviously, you and I were talking about it quite early on, but for others, did you wait until after that first trimester and then let them know the process that you had been on? How did all that transpire and what sort of reaction did you get from everyone? Mm. So because I'd looked into it, you know, five years ago, there were a few people that I told about it at that point. It was mixed because it was like, oh, you're 35, 34, 35, you're fine, you don't need to worry yet, you'll meet someone. There wasn't anyone that I told at that point that was shocked at all. And then when I decided to go through the process again, I was really upfront with with everyone and said that that's what I was doing. I think, if anything, I was more worried or anxious about once my wider group of friends knew. So, you know, when you do that Facebook post and you announce that you're pregnant, that's probably the bit that I was most anxious about. But to be honest, the support that I received from that was absolutely amazing. And you get to a point where I just really wanted to be a mum and the thought of not being a mum was more scary for me than going through what I'm going through at the moment. And I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. I didn't want to get to 50 and not be able to do it. So, look, people have been really supportive. I probably haven't heard the people that are maybe saying things behind my back or saying, you know, I can't believe she's doing it or anything like that and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. This is about me. And, uh, yeah, like my my support team are absolutely amazing. So, I couldn't ask for anything more. And that's right. You put your energy and your positivity into you and this baby and everything that you're doing. And frankly, if people have an issue with it, then that's their problem, not yours. So I think that's a fantastic attitude to have going into this and embarking on this. Uh, I mean, everything's better in in hindsight, I, (laughs) I suppose. But if you could go back and tell yourself one thing as you embarked on this journey, what would it be, knowing what you know now? Have patience would definitely be it in terms of, like, the actual process of IVF. It is so structured and technical and timed to the hour. You really need patience. You know, I was on from May until, you know, Feb was was my three cycles, which is not really that long compared to a lot of other people, but patience is so important. And I also think for me, I'm so glad that I did this. If I had waited and wasn't able to be a mum, that would be heartbreaking for me. But I also think that you have to listen to yourself because Five years ago, I knew I wasn't ready, but two years ago, I was. And I don't know what it would have been like if I forced myself to do it five years ago. So I'm glad that I waited and listened, but I probably wouldn't have left it as late to start thinking about it. 
but you know it, it's my journey and it's it's happened how it's happened and yeah and you're due October aren't you so yes yeah. not long to go at all mm. only looking forwards not backwards I love yeah, that that's right. I love yeah. that you have such a strong work ethic and you work incredibly hard how did you balance that and how do you continue to balance that with IVF with becoming pregnant with the highs and the lows that you've gone through as well it's probably been my biggest challenge I work really hard and work is works my life at the moment it's my baby I guess I was really lucky that my first two cycles were due during lockdown with COVID so I was able to go for bloods and scans at seven o'clock in the morning and be back at my desk at eight o'clock so I was very grateful for that and there were times when I was so emotional and work would get the better of me but I just have to go for a walk switch off at the moment it is difficult I'm I, I'm handing over to someone as of next week who will be taking on my role while I'm on maternity leave and that's really hard and I want to just be able to do everything but I'm listening to my body so when I'm feeling like I'm overworking myself or I can feel myself get really emotional I just switch off and I take that time to just get outside and go for a walk because I know it's important I've got this little baby growing inside of me and she's my priority now so she she's the baby not work anymore but it has been really challenging. Were they aware that you were going through IVF did you confide in anyone that you worked no, with? I didn't at all it sounds so stupid but I didn't want them to know because I didn't want it to impact anything that would potentially happen at work which is crazy when I say that out loud and looking back now I'm glad I didn't because the more people that knew the process I was going through meant the more people that were asking me for updates and knew that I was going for blood tests and were you pregnant and each cycle I told less and less people. And on my last cycle, there was only a couple of people that knew. And that was easier for me to manage. And don't get me wrong, you know, all of the people that knew were there to support me and only cared about me. But when there's, you know, five or 10 people that know and there's five or 10 people that are contacting you, it does get really, really hard to manage. And I'm glad now that that would have been almost a year that work would have known and they would have just been wondering the whole time. So, you know, I'm glad that I didn't. But I will say that when I did tell them that I was pregnant, they have been absolutely amazing and so supportive. And I was pretty nervous telling my boss and his boss, especially because of the way that the process that I'm on and my journey, it is very unique to everyone else in the company that gets pregnant. But they've been absolutely amazing and I couldn't have asked for a more supportive organisation at all. That's so nice and pleasing to hear that you've had that support. And I know firsthand what it's like when you are ambitious and when you are a bit of a control freak and want, yep. want control of everything, you don't want to divulge that sort of information to your work because I, I know for me and, and you're in the same boat like if there is a promotion opportunity or, or anything like that you don't want the information that you are trying to get pregnant to hinder that 
and no, unfortunately absolutely. that's a reality that that we can face as women and it becomes incredibly hard because you're kind of living this separate life you've got this work life and then you've got this IVF and trying to get pregnant life and at times when you're keeping them very separate it can become quite difficult particularly when you are going through those difficult times and the emotional roller coaster so Mm. I completely empathize with you there women who are listening to our conversation today who are in your shoes you know a year plus ago and thinking about this process as something that they might need to undertake depending on where they are in life and their age and and obviously we hate the biological clock but it exists what would be your advice for someone who is thinking about becoming a parent via this process i would say do it don't wait i'm so excited for what's about to come for me and I I would be incredibly lonely if I didn't go down this path. So don't wait and leave it too late. You are stronger than you think you are. I've really learned that in myself. I know that I can do this. I've got a fantastic support network. I also think that I'm so grateful that I've been able to do this and there's people that are out there that their experiences are far worse than mine. So just do it. Don't wait. Don't regret it because, you know, there were times when I was thinking to myself, doing this journey on my own and silly little things like when the baby first kicks, I'm not going to have someone to say, feel this, just those little moments. And now I think whenever, but the first time I felt her kick, it was just a special little bond between me and her. And I don't have anyone to share that with at home at the time that it happens. But then I've got my family and, you know, my my sister-in-law and my mum and my nieces who who do all of that and, and dote over the baby already. So, yeah, don't wait and leave it. If this is really what you want to do, you are stronger than you think and, and just do it. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you, Em. What you've shared today has taken a lot of courage. I know that. You're incredibly brave, but I think it's allowed others who are thinking of going down this path to have some important things to think about. And I wish you all the very best with the rest of your pregnancy. And I cannot wait to meet your little girl uh, when she arrives. So thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. And uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to have had you by my side throughout it. Likewise, you know, when I think you were talking before about not sort of your circle of people that you share this with, with each cycle became smaller and smaller. and, And that was certainly what I did as well. And you have this amazing ability of checking in with me at the right times and in the right way. I just have felt so supported throughout my journey from you. So thank you. Oh, same with you. Thank you. 